You're listening to Work Human Radio. And here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back to Work Human Radio, pioneered by Global Force. My name is Mike Wood. I am your host. I'm also the social media manager here at Global Force. I apologize. I'm a little bit under the weather. I've had pneumonia for a couple of weeks, but I am slowly getting better. We're glad to have you back, <laughs> Yes, Mike. and that is the voice of Sarah Payne, my wonderful co-host. Sarah, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking to Julia Lee. She's an assistant professor of management and organizations at Michigan Ross, and they actually have a center for positive organizations there. So they do a lot of research on how to bring in more positivity into the workplace. And so specifically, she talks about some of her research in storytelling and uh, self-affirmation. So the effect of other people telling positive stories about you and how that impacts your work. Now, what I really liked about her work is, as I listened to your interview is that um, if you've always wanted to kind of experiment on your coworkers <laughs> and wonder, you know, if I did this to them, how would they react? <laughs> she gets to do that. Well, it's in, the work is really relevant to what we talk about with Work Human. Um, you know, it's it's not the workplace is where you bring your whole human self. So if you continuously focus on the positive, it actually does make an impact and it can improve your relationships with your coworkers. And this is just kind of like scientific proof of that. Yes. As we talked many times, the positivity is the world. It makes everything a lot better. So here's our interview with Julia Lee. Enjoy. We'll see you after the break. So I'd like to start uh, just sharing a bit about yourself and uh, the focus of your research at Harvard and now at the University of Michigan. Sure. So I'm now an assistant professor of management and organizations at the Ross School of Business, University of Michigan. Um, but I have a PhD from Harvard University where I was uh, trained in behavior economics and psychology. Um, and since I was a doctoral student, my research focus has been um, about leveraging psychological insights to promote a behavioral change in our organizations. And in particular, I focused on humanizing our workplace by uh, tapping into our social relationships and networks, um, both in the workplace and also through your own personal relationships. That's great. It's something we talk a lot about, you know, with our work human movement and with social recognition. Um, one topic that you discuss in your papers is relational self-affirmation. Uh, how is that activated? So uh, relational self-affirmation, um, the way that I define it is the process by which individuals internalize uh, the positive social feedback they receive from others, you know, the uh, social relationships that you have in life, um, and it ends up affirming ourselves and broadening um, our perspectives on how you're contributing to others in your own network of relationships. So um, in order for this to be activated or to achieve this, we um, asked our study participants to nominate their family members, friends, and coworkers. And so it's not just your professional network, but also your per personal network. And have these network of people write stories um, highlighting the, the employee's unique contributions and, and strengths. So you, you get to learn about yourself that you may not even remember through these stories because it comes back, uh, from your past. 
And essentially, you can um, picture that other people in your life are holding up a mirror for you and tell you a story of yourself when you're at your best and, and you're making your contribution. And so the relational self-affirmation is the effect that you get when you get all uh, sorts of jolts from these stories. That's really interesting. It reminds me of the work of uh, Brene Brown, who talks a lot about uh, storytelling and the stories that we mm-hmm. tell ourselves. Yeah, it's exactly that, yeah. So a lot of the work today happens in highly collaborative, agile teams. What would you say are some of the challenges that arise working in teams? So there are many, many, many challenges, as you can imagine, um, in today's organizations. Uh, We are constantly being pulled into working in teams because the problems that uh, most organizations face these days are rather complex and difficult to solve and and therefore it requires many individuals to collaborate. And based on the previous research in teams, on on teams we uh, know that it is not easy for teams to maximize uh, the team members' full potential. And so one common challenge that I studied was that there seems to be this productivity loss when people start working together because a lot of us um, feel anxious about whether we'll belong in this new um, group of people and whether we'll be negatively evaluated by others if I brought up this idea or if I mentioned this um, idea to others. Um, And so the end results are that uh, these team members may not contribute enough um, even though they're capable of contributing more. And so although the purpose of teaming is uh, to bring each member's unique perspectives and expertise to the table, often our team dynamics do not really encouraging, uh, do not really encourage speaking up in a group setting. So that is one challenge that I am focused on. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I think it starts all the way back in school. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> So how would you say that relational self-affirmation can improve a team's information exchange and performance? So um, in my research with Dan Cable at London Business School, Francesca Gino at Harvard Business School, and Brett Stats at UNC Chapel Hill, I have found that, uh, well, we have found that this process of relational self-affirmation can uh, reduce the productivity loss that um, that comes from feeling anxious and concerned about whether you you will belong to your team and be accepted by other members. And so relational self-affirmation helps people focus on their unique expertise and contribution that it ends up emboldening people to contribute to their team process even more. So we have studied this with a group of senior executives um, who come to Harvard to be trained um, as they get promoted and uh, virtual workers from Amazon Mechanical Turk and also the military cadets. Um, And and the teams that went through this process of relational self-affirmation as compared to the teams that did not um, end up sharing more unique perspectives and integrating them in the team process. And so in other words, uh, these are the teams that were able to tap into the team's resources better. Um, and I believe that this is one way to prepare ourselves before we start working in teams. That's interesting. How does it impact people's emotions and uh, even physiology? 
So in addition to um, studying the effects of relational self-reformation in the group setting, we um, also had the opportunity to work with the laboratory um, and gather some data on uh, what physiological changes that occur as a result of experiencing relational self-affirmation. Um, and so this research uh, specifically speaks to the power of stories that other people tell us about us. Um, that uh, it, it can not only change the way that we view ourselves, but the way that we interact with, uh, with others in our teams. Um, and it, in addition to that, it also has several benefits that can be captured indirectly uh, using psychophysiological methods. Um, so in this particular study, we measure the extent to which um, relational self-affirmation can buffer, uh, buffer the social threats. Um, I had a lot of fun running this particular study. Um, although it may sound a little bit cruel, I've asked the lab participants to play a ball tossing game um, online. Um, so this is all done on a computer, and there are two fictional players um, you see on the screen, and you get to toss a ball to them or receive a ball from them during this computer-based game. It's a very simple game. Um, but after you play this game of ball tossing uh, for a couple of minutes, the other two players all of a sudden stop tossing the ball to you, uh, which is a little bit cruel. Um, and in the previous <laughs> research, <laughs> this um, has been found to be a, a reliable way of making people feel socially exclu excluded and ostracized, um, regardless of whether they believe that these players are real or not. And so even though it's a, such a simple game, people still felt very socially hurt by um, the fact that he, he or she was excluded. Um, and in this particular research, I've measured skin conductance, uh, which is essentially a measure of emotional sweating um, in your hand, uh, which is also associated with anxiety and arousal. Um, I found that the people who received positive social narratives from others, the ones who went through relational uh, self-affirmation intervention, uh, were uh, they experience less physiological stress from this kind of social threat and social stress uh, relative to the people who did not receive uh, positive social narratives. Wow, that's it's interesting because that's such a simple game and it had such an impact. So you can imagine taking those results to an organizational level with highly complex projects that people are working on. Right. I'm currently actually running a study uh, trying to look at whether uh, this kind of intervention, when it's done in the organization, whether that could um, help with this kind of social stress. So stay tuned. <laughs> That's great. We'll have to follow up. <laughs> so what are the differences between an employee's transactional beliefs and relational beliefs. Uh, do you think these beliefs typically change over time? And it, could you explain what they are? <laughs> oh, sure, sure. So typically when uh, the new employees join uh, the new organization, uh, people tend to develop this belief about their relationship with their employers. So this is more about uh, beliefs about your relationship with them. And, uh, for example, you could develop more uh, transactional beliefs, such as I, I just do this for money, or I'm just going to do what is expected of me, but no more than what I am asked to do. 
Or uh, people could develop more relational beliefs, such as I expect to grow with this company, I expect to learn um, and grow with this company. And, and typically the transactional beliefs tend to increase over time as you spend more time with your organizations. And uh, in our study of uh, 1,400 new consultants, we found that uh, this was in fact the case. So the participants who went through the typical newcomer onboarding had an increase in transactional beliefs over the course of their first year. But then the participants who uh, received the positive social narratives intervention as part of their onboarding experience ended up having less of an increase in transactional beliefs. So uh, what's more important for our listeners is that this kind of belief ended up predicting uh, their turnover intentions as well, which means that the people who were uh, relationally affirmed at the beginning of their organizational entry uh, were less likely to quit. And so this research speaks to the importance of how organizations can help employees uh, bring their positive identity to work. Definitely. I know our listeners will be interested in anything that can help with turnover. And it sounds like it's about creating almost a relationship between the organization or the company and the employee. Right. Uh, At least the organizations can signal that they care a lot about um, who these employees are and what they're bringing, whether they're bringing their whole self to work or not. Great. So based on your research, what should companies be doing more of when it comes to motivating their people? Um, How can organizations help their people bring their whole authentic selves to work? And what would you say they should stop doing? So I think that companies uh, can definitely do more in terms of creating opportunities for sharing social narratives in the workplace and, and bringing the employees' silent stories to life. Um, the kind of stories that you receive from those you know well have such a strong emotional impact on you. Um, but oftentimes these stories of contributions and strengths go, uh, tend to go uh, unnoticed and unspoken. So it usually doesn't happen until you um, retire and have a retirement party, or even worse, until uh, after you die, right? And so. Um, these stories tend to be uh, kept silent and not really told. I also want you to think about the ways in which our performance feedback is uh, typically received. Most people tend to get really nervous about receiving negative feedback, even when they receive uh, mostly positive feedback. And so uh, what I'm saying here is that uh, I'm not saying that we need to ditch the performance reviews completely. Um, But what I'm arguing is that organizations can definitely do better in terms of reminding individuals who they are at their best and um, also helping them reach their full potential. So in that line of thinking, would you agree that it would be better if uh, employers would recognize people more frequently as opposed to waiting, um, you know, for an annual review or something to give feedback? Yeah, so the performance feedback uh, is often not very informative or helpful in motivating employees um, when it uh, lacks specificity. Uh, one of the reasons why I, I believe uh, our way of receiving these uh, contribution narratives from others is found effective is that the stories that people received were very, very specific, and uh, it's in a narrative format. And so uh, 
it may feel really good to hear that you're generous or cre uh, creative, but it's far more useful to hear about a specific situation in which you help somebody else effectively or generated a novel practical idea in a, in a meeting that you are in. And so what I would say is that uh, the, in whatever format it comes in, the performance feedback or any type of narratives that is being uh, shared in the workplace, it has to be very, very specific. Yeah, and that's the way it will be uh, heard uh, and remembered and uh, when performance can actually be improved on. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, social recognition invites more voices within an organization to give and receive recognition in the moment. And it's often displayed on the public newsfeed where everybody can pile on their congratulations. How do you see social recognition tying back to, to the value of small positive psychology interventions? I believe that social recognition is the fundamental mechanism by which relational self-affirmation works. Um, it really is about seeing yourself as being socially valued and appreciated by others. Um, and while my past work has focused on what happens when you receive these um, recognition from your social network, what's really interesting about what you do or the idea of uh, social recognition is that there needs to be uh, the givers of recognition and uh, the receivers as well to make this um, whole process work. And uh, so my colleague, uh, Jane Dutton, and I have recently written this short piece in uh, Harvard Business Review on how we narrate other people, like as we introduce them to others and uh, or as we work in a group setting, um, how we narrate other people really matters. So as an employee, uh, regardless of your position in your organization, you do have this power to help other people uh, view themselves in a socially valued and appreciated way, even without having the whole organization starting a company-wide initiative to encourage others to do this. Um, so I do believe that um, this kind of social recognition can uh, start a positive spiral in your workplace. Great. Well, thank you so much, Julia. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our interview with Professor Julia Lee. If you would like to learn more about some of the work that she's doing and what we're doing, you can visit the Global Force blog at www.globalforce.com backslash GF blog. Thanks again for Work Human Radio. I'm Mike Wood. We'll see you next week.